Welcome to Love Through It. I'm your host, Liana Nielsen, a former actress and comedian turned integrative nutrition health coach. I ended up here after spending my 20s getting sick and then healing from an undiagnosable autoimmune condition, depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder when doctors were no help. Combining both traditional and alternative methods, I found healing through a deeper mind-body connection. On this podcast, I'll share conversations with friends, experts, and clients on how they love through their biggest challenges to build lives and bodies they love. Let's do this. So today we have a special treat. We are, we, it's just me, I'm the only one interviewing Lauren Clark, who is a brilliant freelance journalist and content writer based here in Lisbon. This is why I know her. She is fabulous. She also writes a Substack called Well Actually, which has been named a Substack feature publication in 2023. She previously was the acting commissioning editor for Women's Health Magazine in the UK. She specializes in health and wellness content, though she's covered all aspects of lifestyle, including beauty and travel. She is a delight. We talk about trends from 2023. 23 and a forecast for what's coming up in health and wellness in 2024. We talk about Ozempic and caffeine and sleep and really the mind-body connection. Uh, it's a great conversation. So you're welcome. Lauren, welcome. Thank you. That was so nice to start off with lots of deep breaths. I think breathing is so important for like yeah, calming and just getting in a lovely headspace. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like um, it's such a funny thing, especially not being in the same space. Yeah. To be like, hey, let's have a conversation. Go where you, if you you know, and you know, I'm sure you could speak to how important breath is for like the nervous system and all of that as well. But I think it's a nice way to connect in the beginning. Yeah, and sometimes I find that I forget. I'm, I'm like doing something and I forget to breathe. I'm like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I've been holding my breath this whole time. No wonder. <laughs> I'm not thinking straight or like during workouts, I'll be kind of not breathing during, you know, abdominal work and then wonder why I'm like gasping for air and, you know, can't do it properly. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally, totally. Or, you know, it's a big thing when people eat sometimes there's really, there's like a disconnection from the body or like you talk about women who wear clothes that are really tight. You're like eating to different points of fullness because you're not breathing enough because you can't even get there. So yeah, breath that whole, did you actually read that book, that James Nestor book about called breath that came out a couple years ago? I haven't yet. I haven't. It's on my reading list. (laughs) It's a good one. Anyway, welcome. Thank Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. Of course, I've been very much looking forward to this because I've been following your Substack for a while and, you know, I follow you on Instagram, so I see a lot of your articles and I really just love how you approach health and wellness and, you know, you have sometimes a great sense of humor about things and I think that's so important in this space. Oh, no, thank you. And I think I'm glad you picked up on the kind of sense of humor bit of it because I think sometimes with health and wellness it can feel like this very pretentious space and kind of very inaccessible and a bit daunting to people and I think at the end of the day it's it's quite simple what is very beneficial for people we've spoken about this before you know meditation sleep yeah you know things are quite it's not as complicated as I think people believe and you know might think at first so yeah thank you for pointing that out (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I always, I mean, I come from a, you know, I used to be an actress. I come from a comedy background. So I always joke that I'm like wellness with a side of dick jokes. Where, yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Where it's like, <laughs> you can't take any of this stuff too seriously. And having fun and laughing is more important or as important as anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So before we get too far into things, I always love to know how people got where they are. So you kind of have one of those glamorous dream jobs, or at least, you know, from afar, that's what it looks like, right? Like you're in all of these great magazines, you get to interview celebrities and travel and do all these cool things. How did you become a health and wellness journalist? Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, so I originally... Well, I always wanted to be a journalist when I, since my, you know, early teens, I would read my dad's Times and Telegraph after school every day. I was very nerdy in that respect, but I loved kind of current affairs and reading celebrity profiles and, you know, really hard hitting long read lifestyle features and things like that. So I knew I loved writing and reading and just people. I, I you know, I find just talking to people very interesting. I, and I know that you feel the same way. I know you like yeah. love talking to people and it's just such a joy isn't it asking questions and kind of being yeah. nosy you're allowed to be nosy about things which I think is brilliant um and then but in terms of health and wellness so that was quite uh, as as like for that being my focus that was quite um an accident because I mean I'd grown up with a mum who um is a doctor and she uh, was a family planning doctor so we would talk about kind of you know women's health issues when I was younger like contraception like I was always very like embarrassed at first I was like oh why are we talking about sexual health and things like that you know um and yeah but obviously you know it was super useful I I could ask all the all sorts of questions when I was younger to her and that was really brilliant um and and then you know sort of at the time when I got my first job at Women's Health Magazine that was my first ever job you know that's kind of how I got catapulted into the whole, whole kind of health and wellness journalism, um, it was when the industry was starting to become um, more and more popular. It's very trendy to kind of go to those 6am Barry's Bootcamp hit classes and, you know, do clean eating and things. So it it was kind of, you know, the movement was already sort of getting off the ground. I mean, in London, at least, I know in, in, you know, the the States, it probably was a bit before that. Um, But yes, it was a very exciting time. And then kind of coupled with this, I had a sort of um, kind of upbringing where my mum wasn't very well. Um, So she has chronic fatigue syndrome, which is uh, often abbreviated Mm. CFS slash ME or myalgic encephalomyelitis. And I realised at that point, um, first of all, you know, just how much women's health issues are kind of neglect, have been neglected you know, in, mm-hmm. historically with research, but also, um, you know, the kind of medical system can be a bit misogynistic. And I sort of saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, so it's the kind of gendered aspect of it all, but also how modern medicine, you know, it is amazing. I've just been writing a piece. Uh, you said my, my career is glamorous. I was, you know, makeup free, like greasy hair yesterday, trying to finish off a piece <laughs> about egg freezing. And, you know, modern medicine can help us you know have babies in our 40s now you know it's it's amazing what it can do mm-hmm. and it can save our life if we're in a car crash but it can't there are so many things that it can't do and for my mum you know mainstream medicine like conventional medicine you know it, it couldn't help her because it didn't have any answers it didn't know what was wrong with her it didn't know mm-hmm. you know what to do basically what investigations or tests or you know or, you know all those kind of things so I then 
you know, got very interested in this other kind of side of health and wellness, you know, sort of more, you know, as it were, like alternative health and wellness and mm-hmm. mind-body connection. And we've spoken about this before. Um, and so, yeah. so, th- so all these strands kind of uh, coincided to me really like, you know, developing a passion for health and wellness um, in my first job. And then I've sort of continued ever since with a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, dabbling a bit in showbiz journalism and, and other things. Um, but sort of, yeah, then kind of coming full circle and, you know, being uh, in a in a space now where I write mostly about women's health issues um, with, you know, nutrition, fitness, mental well-being, sleep, lots of other things thrown in. And also, I think the kind of showbiz journalism that I did, it sort of has come around full circle as well. Because I was thinking earlier, you know, we look to celebrities a lot for our kind of health and wellness trends. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. You know, we can, you know, I, I don't really care who Taylor Swift is dating, really, although that is kind of interesting. <laughs> but, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, this, the kind of we look up to them as, you know, you know, D- Dakota Johnson. I saw um, the other day had said that she has gets 14 hours of sleep. A night which I think is amazing oh, the dream I will oh god I, how would you I couldn't sleep that long yeah. like maybe if I had been on a bender yeah exactly like, <laughs> you wake so up feeling just like so zen wouldn't you um but then then this has obviously sparked those discussion and I, I think it's it's interesting the world of celebrity and health and wellness colliding anyway that was a very waffly answer to your question <laughs> I'm sorry no it was brilliant that's why we asked we like to we like to know the ins and outs <laughs> So what made you go freelance? Mm. So I'd moved to Portugal by this point, to Lisbon. Um, and did you, what was the, what was the impetus for that? So I had, well, I'd been in London for nine years and I think it wasn't that it was, it definitely wasn't, I didn't like London anymore. I think I was just desperate um, for kind of like, a change of scene and just sort of I, I wanted to kind of live abroad for a year and see what it would be like but actually I think deep down I was probably a bit burnt out and I just you know same as I'm sure you found in New York you know you can be on this kind of hamster wheel and time is passing and you know you sort of don't have chance to kind of stop and, and breathe and my work-life balance is definitely not perfect even in Lisbon I still struggle to kind of make sure I have enough downtime and things like that but it's so much easier to try and put good habits in place in this city I find and that's why I've ended up staying for three years rather than just the one year as originally planned because you know you can go for a lovely walk breathe uh you know the fresh air and nature very easily go to a yoga class you know it's it, I know London yeah. has all those things as well it's just harder to access because it's just massive whereas you know, it's a yeah. bit smaller here. And the sense of community actually here, because we sort of live in a bit of a bubble and you bump into mm-hmm. people all the time, which is so lovely. And I just love that kind of, yeah, community feel and everything. So yeah, it was it was kind of, yeah, just wanting to be away for a year, but then I've seen the benefits in myself being here. And mm-hmm. I like the Lisbon version of myself. Um, oh, so, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still fi- figuring out what my Lisbon version is, oh. but I think it needs to involve less wine. Than I did oh, last summer. Oh, so, <laughs> also, a little bit. Oh, you're but you're so like close into your Lisbon journey. Like it's been like 
less than a year and I think it took yeah yeah it took me at least a year and a half to feel fully settled and and we're still coming out of COVID in a way and I know yeah, that yeah I know it doesn't it's quite easy to forget that ever happened because yeah you know I think everyone's sort of we want it from to. Their yeah exactly <laughs> but it's yeah it's just kind of we're still getting used to life again like post that time and and yeah no, the what the wine is oh like the anxiety I get like it definitely started as soon as I, I hit know. 30 it's like the anxiety is crazy. <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. And especially wine more than tequila. Yes. And those are like the only things I can really play around with anyway yes. at this point. But yeah, <laughs> wine, and there's so much nice wine here, but wine makes yeah. it way worse. I yeah. agree. <laughs> I get like sad. It makes yeah. me sad the next yeah. day. And you don't want to be sad in Lisbon when the weather is this beautiful, even in December. Blue skies. I know. Snow. I want to appreciate it all. <laughs> I know. I bet you do. I mean, I only did one. I did two winters in the UK, only one in um, London and then 14 in New York. And oh, this is so yes. much better. Yeah. So, so, so much nicer. Yeah. No, it's it, like I think as well. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, there isn't as much of that festive feeling because it doesn't get super kind of like freezing cold. There isn't the snow, yeah. you know, and especially in New York, like you have all the beautiful Christmas lights and it's not quite the same here. But no, I, I, I'm much more of a Lisbon baby, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I definitely. And it is interesting, too, because, yes, still you have like what you'd have in major cities, but it is that energy, like yeah. New York, especially. And I know Lon parts of London have it where it just sort of sweeps you up in it, right, yeah. where everyone's just going a million miles an hour and you kind of can't help it. And here it's the opposite, which I really like, which again, you sort of have to find your footing again, because it's easy to come here and feel like you've retired. Yes. Like you're on vacation <laughs> oh my God, I love that description of it. It's so true. And I, I think also as well is like what you were saying just now about energy and yeah. the people who kind of are drawn to Lisbon who, and who come here, like often we're on our own, we're coming on our own and, yeah. we, and often we're sort of wanting to, we're excited about trying this new place on for size and meeting new people and kind of trying new things and I think that's such wonderful yeah wonderful energy and that's very attractive and why I think people do do end up staying for a while because it's just this kind of like addictive energy in a way it is and if you look at like the blue zones or like the rules for yes. longevity right you know you do have the nice food you have the good weather yeah. there's the access to nature but community is such a big part of it yeah and I've never moved anywhere where people felt so inclusive yeah and you you'd go to dinner with a group of people and like everyone kind of wants to exchange information mm. and you know you see them again and everyone's really friendly it's really it's so lovely yeah. it's it's obviously one of my favorite things about this place as well yeah definitely <laughs> so Okay, going back to this year, or I would even, you know, the last couple of years, the one thing when I was looking through all of your work that I think is really admirable, and I sort of have, was forced to do the same thing on my own healing journey in a different way, but you try a lot of stuff on your own, and you write about it. And I was particularly impressed with even like Ozempic and that journey. So I would be curious to you just speak to, you know, you know, that experience or if there's anything specifically um, that you did this year that was really eye-opening for your, you know, experience of health or your routine or whatever. Yeah. So, so this year, the one thing that I tried and then wrote about, did I write about coffee this year? 
God, I'm so sorry. Because the thing is, because I think so. Was that this year? I was reading the adaptogen thing. Yes, that was this year, I think. Was was it it talent logic? God, I get so confused because we often work really far in advance with the when I do print pieces, like it'll be months in advance, it'll come out in the magazine. So I think, yeah, I think I wrote that at the tail end of last year. And I I mean, often it will be things that I am interested in anyway, then I'll see it's a bit of a trend, then I'll try it out. And I love, I mean, I went vegan for a month a few years ago for a piece. And what was that like for you? I loved it. Once I got past the digestive situation... (laughs) <laughs> yeah the diet yeah the sudden change of diet was a bit of a weird one for my body to probably to get used to um but no it was, it was yeah. amazing and I I another time I used a goal planner for a, I think a month and saw how that changed things I also was lucky enough to work out at, at an 18,000 pound a year gym in London which was very nice um I'm sure yeah I'm sure <laughs> I was like slightly out, slightly out of my gym budget, but um, but yeah, no, that, that was lovely. Um, and yeah, it's like, and I think it's, I think it makes it so much more straightforward to write about, obviously, because you know you're trying things yourself, um, mm-hmm. and then you know I think the reader resonates more with that. But but with um with a Zen pick, that was actually completely by accident because so I've been reading about it, um, and sort mm-hmm. of I I know in, in the states it's been um obviously a bit a bit of a bigger topic um sorry compared to the UK and or it's sorry rather it took the UK a bit longer to kind of um like wake up to it basically but um that was a friend basically tried it and I was like oh my god I've been reading about this thing like what's it like and he was like would you want to try some and I was like oh this in the name of journalism yes I will and it was horrendous (laughs) so I was just like I just (laughs) what was your personal experience so I so what you're meant to do is um obviously work with a doctor or a licensed practitioner or or a medical professional and you're meant to kind of ease up the dosage of um because so the compound's called semaglutide and the brand names are yeah. Zempic, we go v etc um but i i went straight in with quite a high dose so my body was mm. like oh my god and i felt I, I felt all the symptoms that you're meant to kind well not meant to feel but that you often feel um when you take it but re- in a really big dose so i felt really nauseous i was like sorry it's a bit too much information throwing up all day it was just horrible so and I and my appetite was very different, like very low for an entire week because I'd have this had this like big mm-hmm. wham of you know um, right right of the yeah of of the medication basically. And I think like my lesson from that experience was you know definitely just don't take things for the you know without sort of doing it properly and everything. Um, but I it's very it's very powerful and and you know it's. I, I sort of, and it's really interesting that we're having this conversation now about wellness trends for next year, mm-hmm. because I think this year has been very much defined by not not just as MPIC, but sort of like we're, we're at a re-transitional time with health and wellness, where we've been spending a lot of time kind of thinking about it in a holistic way, sort of thinking, you know, like healthy habits, the progress might be slow, but at the end of the day, it's sustainable and Mm-hmm. you know long lasting you know ultimately but when you bring in things like a zen pick and this idea that oh you can have a quick fix to your mm-hmm. you know really you know and, and then it, it sort of it scares me in a way so I'm thinking we've done all this great work with building a healthy relationship with food often a lot of women have and I I just yeah I just really hope it isn't the start of a kind of 
wave of people having a really tricky relationship with food again and the sort of um you know the heroin chic of the 90s coming back and things like that so I think it's right quite a scary time actually and that's kind of been starting a lot this year and um I yeah really hope it doesn't end up in the same way for a whole new generation of young girls as well because I don't know how you feel but growing up in the sort of in that era where size zero was talked about as this amazing thing and you know um the kind of in the tabloids in the UK you, you know sort of if a celebrity had put on a little bit of weight there'd be like a red circle around their body yeah. and you know that kind of feeling that as a woman that like you had to be perfect or else and I it was really nice having a whole kind of 10 years where it was you know diversity body diversity was a bit more celebrated and it scares me that we might be going backwards sorry I've just waffled on for ages. no oh my god no 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 that's why you're here that's the point. <laughs> I'm so used no. to being like no. in the opposite seat that I'm just like I'm talking right. too much <laughs> no such thing you're so British and polite no I couldn't agree more it was really scary to hear like the heroin she I mean I grew up my mom is a model she's naturally <gasps> tall and thin oh and she um I watched her you know dislike certain parts of her body Um, so I grew up disliking the same and then when I went to college and you know got stressed out and gained the freshman 15 and all of the things happened I was bulimic so I was I was quite I had a pretty severe eating disorder for the first half of my 20s which is you know one of many reasons that led me into this space but I was actually talking to a friend the other day about this who also she ended up in recovery for um her eating disorder and it's like a prison mm-hmm. and like if there's anything that i like feel the strong most strongly about being in this space is helping women especially but no men you know men struggle from this stuff too is getting people the right information so they feel empowered in their body at any size because it's so much about how we feel but when we go like these huge trends where it's like your, your body needs to look like this. All of a sudden you're going outside of your experience and you're self objectifying your body all the time. So you're just this, you're not present and you're just staring and judging your legs, your butt or whatever it is you don't like about yourself. Right. And so much of the work I've been doing and dedicated my career to is teaching people how to live in their experience, right. And bring all those tools. And we talk about like meditation Uh and you know, breathing and eating well and sleeping so you can actually just be present and enjoy this bo- this one body that we have. Yeah. But to go back and no, it was very scary because I saw not only like, it, I mean, the Ozempic thing was huge. I mean, it still is. And I saw like health practitioners I know who help people lose weight, go on it and lose weight. Yeah, And like that, and you know, of course, like I support anyone doing things that makes them feel good. And I think for some people it has been an improvement because of what it does to blood sugar, mm-hmm. but it is scary to watch a whole bunch of people just reach for, but I guess humans are like that, right? Yeah. By nature where it's like, it'd be much easier to do the quick thing and yeah. If all of a sudden I've disliked my body and how it looked for so long and I can just press a button, I'm going to press a button. But the effects of it, you know, long term, it's just putting a Band-Aid on a leak in the boat. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And also uh, when I was speaking to some doctors earlier this year when I was writing about it is the studies have only been done on kind of taking it for two years. So there's not much research on what happens after that. And, you know, uh, there's sort of been reports of, you know, 
weight gain that's higher after that because you because you you can't really I think they're saying that it's not ideal to be on it forever so unless you're on it forever yeah. your appetite's going to go back to the baseline and but then you might have lost that ability to sort of know about your hunger cues in a natural way and I think it's right. Remy Remy Bader if, I, if I'm saying her name correctly um has you know she, she's spoken about having been on it and then gained more weight afterwards and kind of yeah. is sort of warning people against that aspect of it so yeah it's it's so hard it's so hard and and I guess for, for those who are recovering from an eating disorder as well it's it's you know you you're sort of it's a lifelong probably pursuit of of maintaining that recovery and that relationship and you know I, I imagine when things like this pop up and the conversations pop up like this as they as they do it can be very triggering and you know the whole kind of discussion around January weight loss and things like that you know it's all going to kind of get yeah. going again and it's just yeah it's, it's sort of it's so normalized in our culture to to sort of mm-hmm. have these kind of extremes in a way and restricting and you know just instead of just teaching everyone and sort of growing up you know school onwards with a sort of balanced approach healthy approach sustainable approach to like nutrition in this instance and and also exercise and things like that yeah and you know and you touched on this earlier with you know seeing your mom's journey and understanding it's not just one thing like health is in this bubble um and you need sort of both right the behavioral stuff and i find with most people with that unhealthy relationship to food it's something deeper like with any sort of addiction to anything whether it's relationships or shopping or sex or you know what it is alcohol food, so much of it is uh, covering up pain or numbing and avoiding your life. So then when you see people rush for these quick fixes and they feel really good temporarily, it's scary over here for me to watch because, right, when this is taken away from you and maybe you rebound, like what's that going to look like when maybe you feel, you know, it's it's scary. It is scary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what I, what was the most interesting thing kind of watching my mum's or still watching my mum's journey is, the thing that has been the most like helped her symptoms the most is interestingly nutrition and making mm. the right changes to her diet and things or, or right so right I just I just say for her, for her. um yeah. not for everyone and and you know the nutrition can be so powerful and mm-hmm. I think that's something also to be celebrated you know not what we take out of our diets it's you know what we put in can be so wonderful and yeah. exciting as well and healing and yeah, that's yeah. the thing we're not teaching people too right it's like oh it's just about calories in calories yeah. out take this you won't be hungry eat whatever you want where it's like you know that was the that's how I became a health coach like mm-hmm. I really reversed so much of my symptoms through food initially mm-hmm. and seeing as like a highly sensitive person how much certain foods made my brain cloudy, made me anxious, made me sad, all of those things made me disconnected from myself and other ways of eating changed my outlook on the world. And you see that sometimes it's the most simple. I just had a new client recently where I do like this 10 day, um, essentially it's called a detox, but it's not a diet. Like you're just sort of taking all stimulants out of the diet and you're just really putting a lot of anti-inflammatory foods, being eaten as much as you want, and, you know, that kind of thing. And that alone, it was so funny. Her roommate, who I know was like, I had no idea. She's like a different person. Her outlook on life, she's like cheerful. And yeah. it's true. And it was so funny because she was like, I have all this energy. I feel so good. I feel so optimistic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is actually who you are without a bunch of stuff in your body that your body doesn't like. And I think, Often we don't have that conversation, right? It's like weight or what I look like. It's like, 
who cares what you look like if your experience is full of anxiety, you don't like yourself, you're upset, you're hungry, and maybe a little bit heavier, but with a lot of energy and feeling really good and positive, like that's a way better life experience. And like getting people on that side, I think is really more important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're so right. And I think, and I remember a really um, brilliant nutritionist in the UK called Rhiannon Lambert said to me once in an interview, you know, most people don't know how good they can feel because they've always spent their entire life feeling probably what they think is fine, but actually is probably very low to mediocre, you know, in terms of energy, irritability, you know, brain fog, all these things. And yes, it's only until you sort of see the other side that you're just like, oh my God. Because I remember when I first started taking, it sounds really really nerdy, but when I first started taking magnesium, I think I was in my late teens. And it was something that I think a blood tester highlighted that I could do with more because I wasn't eating enough like leafy green vegetables and things. And I felt amazing after taking it every single night. I, and I noticed if I don't take it now, I just sleep terribly. And, and yeah, then that knocks yeah, yeah. on, you know, it has a knock on effect because if you don't sleep as well, you're not feeling as good during the day, your mood is affected, etc. So yeah, I think it's small tweaks can make such a huge difference for sure. Yes, I completely agree. Okay, so what have you seen this year? I know you you um, put together a bit of a list. What are yeah. your sort of top trends that you saw this year? L- let me get my list up. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I'm such a ju- I'm journalist. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do my do my research and everything. I love it. Um, I love but it. The th- but the funny thing is, it's like, yeah, I I feel I'm. Yeah, not not an expert in any particular thing. I just like observe, and I and I feel unqualified to say anything. But, but... that's so important, right? <laughs> like I think that there are so many people who are, and this is like the nutrition school I went to was really interesting. Uh, was a health coaching school, and they showed you a lot of different styles of eating and a lot of theories around nutrition. And the whole idea was, you know, being on the outside. Some things work for some people. Some things work for others. There's no one size fits all. And I think something really cool about the position you're in is you get to be on the outside of the industry and observe and talk to experts and have experiences. And I think that's really invaluable. Yeah, I know. I feel very fortunate because I have, yeah, I learn lots of things and goes, yeah, and it's also, it's all in there somewhere. And sometimes I, yeah, <laughs> I hope I can regurgitate, <laughs> you know, all the kind of, yeah, wisdom that I've absorbed over the years. But I, yeah, I'm not as what's the word articulate as some people as you can tell because I'm struggling to get my words out now I'm so bad um but yeah not at all <laughs> um yeah so it's been around for a while from since actually the 1950s I think or 1940s um but Pilates this year has gone from strength to strength to strength um and you know we're seeing yeah it's, it's kind of had, had a renaissance Adele Hayley Bieber Margot Robbie um, a big fans reportedly um, and it's been all mm-hmm. over Instagram and TikTok and what I think is great about it because I think sometimes when you know you have sort of health and wellness trends kind of pop up or you have a lot of you know PRs be like oh this is going to be a big thing or whatever is it sort of like oh is this really helping anyone you know is it is it all kind of um, is there any substance to the, this kind of buzz around a particular product and things like that um, but with something like Pilates which has been around for a long time um, and is you know having a bit more resurgence now um it, you know that th- there is so much brilliant evidence that it is an amazing thing in terms of not spiking our cortisol but increasing strength and I think that was something that that's huge you know, for like 10 years we've had 
the kind of I mean I, I love a hit workout sometimes you know it can be brilliant but the, you know when you're having a really stressful day and then you go and do like a Barry's boot camp and then you come out of it feeling so wired you then can't sleep you know all these sorts of hit workouts are brilliant when you're feeling you know calm in your day or whatever but then if you you know throwing other stress like life stress and it's sort of a recipe for disaster and then you wonder why yeah you're you're just feeling really anxious all the time and everything so I think it's really lovely that space is being made in the workout scene for things like Pilates um yeah (laughs) I think that's a really beautiful thing you just pointed out too about the cortisol because Especially because so many people, it's sad, right? They look at their health when they either are sick or they they feel uncomfortable in their body. They've gained weight, right? And they come to me or people like me and they're like, okay, I don't get it. I'm really stressed, but I'm eating these things. I'm working out really hard. And often people don't realize when their cortisol is super high and they're adding more, their body's going to hold on to weight, right? Or cortisol can affect inflammation. You're making more, your body more and more inflamed. Then you can get sick, you know, that can lead to, you know, uh, even like anxiety and depression as well as, you know, weight gain or, so I think people just think work out harder yeah. and that is not always the case. So I think that's a really beautiful thing to point out. And that's cool. I think that's really cool. I didn't realize, but yeah, everyone likes prescription here. I haven't yes. been yet. Have you been there? No, I haven't. Um, I've been to the kind space, which that they do like. Oh, I, that's near me. Yes. you have. To. I need to yeah, go check that out because they yeah. have a bar too. Yes. Yeah. exactly yeah so it's kind of and then the thing is it has been around for a while but it's sort of all of a sudden yeah has kind of popped up again as being a really popular thing so yeah um and obviously just just hit Lisbon so (laughs) um (laughs) and so obviously the kind of um term quiet luxury um was something that we uh heard discussed a lot around the time of succession coming out earlier this year and I feel like we're living in the era of quiet wellness People are kind of going on retreats. I feel like people are doing more kind of like one-to-one work, like what you do with your clients. Um, I think people are doing like doing the work in a more private way than beaming it over Instagram these days. I think, you know, like gone is the era of the kind of avocado toast, green smoothie kind of posts, you know, sort of, obviously people are still sharing, but I think I think we're, we're doing it in a bit more of a subtle way. And, and kind of tied into this, I felt was, the kind of, you know, what we just discussed earlier about, you know, a Zen pick and we go and things like that to kind of, you know, are people being less honest about, you know, how, how they're getting certain results, but I, but in a sort of, that's a sort of perhaps, you know, different end of the spectrum. But I think we're sort of, um, yeah, we're sort, we're sort of looking a bit more internally perhaps and being less performative I think that's that's the key word I'm looking for is you know not doing something for the sake of everyone else knowing about it but more you know sort of Mm. yeah thinking about it um more internally I hope that's the case like I hope that we are starting to and it's been interesting I've been in this space for 10 plus years and my practice and what I've done has grown with me and in the beginning it was just me trying to survive is how I ended up becoming a health coach And it did have so much to do with nutrition and sleep and movement, which continue to play an important role. Mm -hmm. But you understand that you go beyond that and it is your mindset, right? It Mm -hmm. is your relationship to your nervous system and anxiety, all of those things. And I think it's, it's cool if we're seeing a trend of people realizing like, yes, we're all eating healthier now, maybe a little bit, or at least Mm -hmm. mindful of it. We're all trying to move and sleep, but then like what's underneath that. And Mm -hmm. 
gosh, if that's what's going on, I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I, I just have, yeah, I'm just sensing we're kind of having a bit more of a, health, a, a bit healthier approach. No, a bit, I can't speak. <laughs> a bit more healthy and approach because you can tell it's like almost like the festive break can't you it's like crawling to the end of the year <laughs> yes, um, yes yes yeah and and then sort of tied into what we were discussing um earlier a little bit about cortisol um mm-hmm. I feel and I wrote about this uh, a couple of times this year you know coffee I think has experienced a bit of a backlash this year I think it's sort of, um, I wrote a piece recently for Women's Health about how it's kind of like the new alcohol and people are, you know, not necessarily giving it up, but sort of, you know, um, rethinking their relationship with it. You know, there there are obviously studies that are like, coffee can be good for you. In the same way that those red wine, glass of red wine a day studies, you know, will be like, oh, it's kind of good for you in some situations. Uh, but I think coffee, you know, it can trigger anxiety. It can disrupt your sleep. It can... Mm you know, affect, uh, give you the jitters and things like that. And I think people are realizing, well, I mean, I, I have a friend who went to a therapist recently and the therapist, the first question was, are you drinking coffee? Because I would really encourage you to kind of like give up or cut down if you're, if you're experiencing anxiety. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that we don't often think about when we sort of mm-hmm. try and you know, help our mental health and things like that. And in its place, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm seeing people are drinking more matcha, which has obviously been around for a little while, mushroom coffee, decaf, um, and then mu- mushrooms, that kind of space has kind of been building a lot as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, kind of another trend that I've noticed this year. <laughs> are you, I know you played around with adaptogens instead of caffeine. Did that, did you go right back to coffee? Did that change your relationship at all? Um, so it, it's uh, caused me to cut down. So I have, I try and stick to one a day and I'm drinking now a mushroom coffee um, by uh, a brand called Dirty, D-I-R-T-E-A. Not sponsored. I just absolutely love them. It comes in very like stylish. Can you get it here or do you order it? Um, I order it. You can get it delivered here. Um, I think there's some other brands oh, nice. that kind of operate in Portugal, but yeah, I, I kind of, um, I sort of smuggle it back with me in my suitcase or no, not smuggle it. So it's completely legal. <laughs> <laughs> adaptogen. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. And I've noticed a huge difference. Although I'm sure, sh- I'm sure you find this that like the coffee culture is such a big thing in Portugal and it's so easy, you yes. know, after, after dinner, having like an espresso it feels very like glamorous and mediterranean and stuff <laughs> i have to kind of be careful about those temptations i do too <laughs> oh i'm very sensitive i can i mostly only drink decaf which the, you know they say isn't the best for you either but i get a buzz up decaf that's amazing and, yeah oh yeah yeah i'm that sensitive yeah. where i like there are times in my life where i will drink coffee but it makes i you know i run very anxious so it makes yeah. me totally like Oh. I am totally nuts. Um, so even decaf is a lot, but I love it. And there is a lot of really good coffee here. And of course, like every, I mean, I feel like once a week, someone's like, meet for a coffee. That's all I feel like yeah. I do half the time when I'm not working is meet someone for a coffee. Yeah, no, it's like, and if you're trying to kind of be a bit more sober, meeting for a coffee feels like the better option, but actually... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it might not be. <laughs> Maybe going for like right. a call, you know. But like, I sorry, I forgot to mention earlier. When I put a call out on Instagram to ask people if they could talk to me about their relationship with coffee, 
I have never received so many messages about a piece. Really? It was actually insane. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, this has really like struck a chord. And, you know, a lot of people who were uh, going back to kind of the previous quiet wellness trend, a lot of people I think have just been doing it in a really like quiet way, like, oh, just giving up coffee, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, yeah, kind of people reestablishing their relationship with alcohol is often a kind of private thing as well like people aren't being as kind of because I think you know there can be sort of judgment that people can feel and things so I think it's it's funny with certain things that are sort of very normalized by society and you often don't want to have to explain yourself all the time when you're kind of not having as much coffee or not having as much alcohol and things like that yeah it is hard I think I mean especially like London or New York is such a drinking culture that you almost had to get defensive or there would be periods of time where I'd stop drinking and I would pretend I was just because it was easier to pretend I was drinking. Yeah. I was like, can you just make it look like a you know, vodka soda or something? So you didn't have to explain to 50 people. It'd be like, what? Especially like in your 20s and early 30s. I'm like, what? why are you doing it? Where it is. And, and during the pandemic, I, I had so many people come to me, you know, talking about the stress of all of it had made them start drinking more. And I think we're still, I'm still seeing the after after effects of what the pandemic did for people's alcohol consumption and them still trying to get, you know, reduce it or establish a better relationship with it. Because I think so many people were coping. Wow. And and do you think that in all, in using that as a coping, like when somebody turns to something that's a coping mechanism, do you then feel like, it's even harder to kind of shake that off or rebuild a healthy relationship with that coping mechanism because you're so reliant on it as a crutch. Like, is that what you found? Well, it's the thing, the thing is, is it's how sick of it someone is, right? How willing to change someone is. And really it isn't that hard if you give them a tool that they can use to substitute. And once you cultivate the awareness, and this is the biggest piece around like drinking actually makes me feel worse and doesn't make me feel better or eating the whole cake or endlessly scrolling or being in 55, you know, always on the apps or in a bunch of relationships that are surface, right? All of this is just a quick fix to to avoid some deeper pain or something that I haven't processed. Once you show people, A, that that's not working, they're smart enough, everyone is, to start to have this moment of like, oh, I'm still going to have the wine and know that it's not working and I'm going to have more and it's going to give me a hangover or whatever it is. And then you pair that with something new, you plant the seed in their brain and there's something in the back of their head that's going to be like, don't do the thing, go to bed instead. Mm -hmm. And it may take, and this is why I have a job, but it may take people like years to fully get there. But like we were saying before, those small incremental changes, what they'll start to see, oh, wow, there's this better way and I actually feel better. And it goes from, you know, that knee jerk reaction to needing to feel better in the moment. Like, how do I immediately get rid of this pain or this discomfort Mm -hmm. to understanding like, okay, if I actually make this other choice or eat the vegetable or go to therapy or meditate or breathe or whatever it is, I'm going to have a long term better impact. And then that starts to raise my baseline. Because like you were saying earlier, and this is what I see a lot, like you don't realize it. Like as a kid, if you're lucky, your baseline of health is like pretty high. And then as you get older and you have stress and, you know, relationships, job stuff, you know, 
caffeine, alcohol, you're eating too much. You know what I mean? All of a sudden you get to your mid twenties, your mid thirties, and you're kind of feeling like crap all the time. You don't know it. And a lot of people will come to me and will really do a few things to overhaul their diet. And they have no idea they can feel that good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing where it's like, once you give someone a tool and they realize that like they can actually face their grief or, you know, they can change their relationship to their anxiety, doing this other thing that serves them and actually avoid having more of it, they'll do it forever. Yeah. But it's just getting over that hump of them being ready to change and then being able to cultivate the awareness around like this isn't working and this other thing is, and then just being willing to show up. And it's almost like reps at a gym, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep trying because I see, you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, like it's brighter and brighter. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want to drink at home by myself anymore. That makes me feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And, and what I think so interesting as well is a lot of, I think a lot of people think it's going to be, very very difficult very expensive to kind of get out of a way a pattern and I'm not saying it's easy to do so but there are sort of you know tools to kind of um that are sort of that are free that are you know like yeah. movement getting some sun like going for a walk getting some sun like uh, breaking sleep. Break, sleep breaking, breaking meditation can yeah, be free exactly yeah 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 think, journaling yeah and I think the health and wellness industry kind of obviously it's an industry it you know makes money in its own way but I think that sometimes the messaging can be that you've got to throw a lot of money at a situation before you feel better and it's not always the case however what I would say is you know in the case of what what the work you do or therapy like some often you do need a helping hand and someone to guide you through that process for a period of time and I think that's so invaluable as well you know yeah and that's so much why I wanted to do this podcast because I think what I realized and oh wow this almost makes me emotional mm-hmm. like w- when I was as sick as I was the things that made me feel so much better were essentially just understanding nutrition differently managing stress taking stimulants out of my body sleeping more yeah. right moving in different ways and it was stuff that was so simple and, you know, not free, food's not free, but yeah. you know what I mean? You're eating anyway. Exactly. And I felt so, I got to this point in my mid twenties where I was so sick, anxious, depressed, panic attacks, hated my body, so mean to myself, fatigue, hormonal issues, like you name it. I had all the things that women struggle with, mm-hmm. right? And it just blew my mind that I was able to reverse that with a little bit of information. Yeah. And it, for me, made, I just feel like everyone has a right to this information and everyone has a right to feel better in their body. And it's unfair that they're, it's gotten so confusing at this point, right? Do this diet. No, try this medicine. No, you need this. No, you need these. Eat gluten. Don't eat gluten. Do this. Don't do that. No, there are certain things, like you said, that are so simple. And really the thing is, coming back to that personal empowerment and knowing that like, you're the only expert, right? So like, I love, and that comes back to like, I love how you talk about you trying things and your experience. And I think even in writing that way, you, you spark some curiosity. Oh, I wonder what would happen if I did that. Right. Cause this is what's happening for her. And she's writing about it in her first person experience, not saying everyone should do this. I wonder what would happen if I drank less or I slept more. And like, that's, I like, I couldn't agree more because it, 
it doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't need to be inaccessible. And the, the most impactful things you can do are free. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely agree. Yeah, no, definitely. And and that's why, um, actually it weaves really well into, it weaves, I can't speak. What's wrong with me? (laughs) This is why I've never done a podcast before. I can't talk. I lose the ability to speak English. So charming. Lauren, you're so charming. And there are so many Americans that listen to my podcast who are going to love you just because of your accent. So it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> oh my God. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, it, it weaves nicely into the fourth trend from uh, 2023, um, which is kind of the, the I, women's health becoming big business. So I'm thinking like yes. menopause, periods, you know, and I've got some nice little stats about. Um, well, the, so the menopause market is, size is projected to be valued at 24.4 billion US dollars by 2030. And the menstrual mm-hmm. cramps treatment market is projected to be valued at 9,145.12 million by 2030. And obviously, it's brilliant that there is kind of increased awareness of, you know, period pain, um, this, this whole kind of like idea of, you know, menstrual leave and things like that. Um, and also menopause, you know, women going through the menopause have suffered in silence for so long. And yeah. often when, you, you know, the, like employers haven't often been the most sympathetic, they've often been raising kids at the same time and, you know, strug- like have, struggling with their marriages, like divorce rates are very high in um, menopausal age women. And also actually suicide rates are, like it's, in the UK at least, it's one of the it's one of the age groups for women where the suicide rate is highest, which is obviously heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so obviously it's brilliant that we are talking about it more, but then obviously, uh, you know, there's companies perhaps are jumping on the ba- bandwagon a little bit and uh, not, right, you know, right, right. obviously some products are incredible. Some services are incredible that are coming out. Um, but some perhaps, you know, might not be so much. Anyway, it's not for me to say because I'm not uh, of menopausal, can't speak menopausal age yet. Um, but with things like period pain, which I think is a really interesting kind of area, and I think it's brilliant that we are having more, um, you know, more solutions. I don't know whether you've tried any yet, but I've I've tried the kind of these like eucalyptus cooling patches that kind of go Ooh, on your no, that sounds great, and um, as a device that kind of sends like pulses. Uh, that are sort of meant to kind of um, mask the pain. And, and I, you know, it doesn't completely get rid of my period pain. And obviously there are other symptoms that come with um, your time of the month and things like that. But um, yeah, it's kind of early dates, but I just, I just hope that women are being sold products that actually help them. And I think one of the problems with yeah. period pain in particular is we, like science doesn't actually know the exact exact reason why we experience it and if there isn't enough research into the cause of something or why we're experiencing something then they can't find a solution you know and so and it's you know one of my favorite study uh, sorry one of my favorite stats is the fact that there are four times as many studies into erectile dysfunction as period pain and so I think you know, it's all very well there being more interests in this area, yeah. but we need to have products and solutions that actually work and things like that. So, yeah, but it's not for me to kind of, you know, be like, it's, I think it's... Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. 
No, it sounds like, yeah, double-edged sword, yeah. right? It's good because all of a sudden we're focusing on it. So they're pro- and sad, but true. There probably is more research going into it to see how people can make money, yeah. but at least there's more research exactly. going into it, exactly. right? Yeah. So yeah. And again, I think it, it goes back to us and being really discerning about like, it's good, try things, yeah. but you know, don't spend too much money and you know, a hot water bottle and a nap. Yes. Just great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. And just like, a little bit of ibuprofen. Yeah. And just compassion from like your employer. Like if you're, you're feeling terrible one week could they extend that deadline or you know can your you know partner be more pick up the slack or something you know so I think it's um yeah it's it's obviously mixed depending on people's circumstances but yeah it's an interesting one oh that's interesting that's really interesting yeah oh my god the stat about erectile dysfunction how infuriating I know (laughs) I know it's just but then again I think it's like one of these things that you know like scientists will study what they know and science has been traditionally right. very male dominated and I think yeah. and obviously these yeah. things are all kind of leveling out and I in, in the UK at least more um of the doctors who are graduating it's majority women now and obviously it'll take a while to kind of perhaps you know catch up and sort of even out and things like that and when my I remember my mum saying um when because she was working before she got ill she was working until her early 40s and it was always men who were the consultants who were in higher positions um, in the NHS. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself will sort of create a culture of perhaps not listening to women as much and things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Hopefully that's changing. Yes. Yeah, they definitely, fingers crossed. Um, and sorry, and then the, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I'm waffling on about these trends, but yeah. And then the, the, the fifth one for 2023 um, I felt like was kind of ultra personalized nutrition. And I, you know, I don't know if you've heard mm. more discussion about kind of glucose monitoring and those Zoe. Yep. Um, uh, oh, I did it. Did I did you? it this summer. I did it. Abbott. Yeah, I did a free Libre for two weeks. And How did you find it? It was really interesting. Um, it's funny. I think it's useful. Yeah. And it's sort of fun, right? To be like, ooh, what's going to happen? I went to a wedding during the time. Um, and it was funny. Eddie and I did them together. He brought them. Um, and we were, and it was really interesting because we were watching whose blood sugar did what. And mine like was pretty low. But it was actually interesting for me because I realized I, I was, I tended to eat very low carb ever since I got sick because I was eating a more anti-inflammatory diet. And over the years, it's crept up a little bit more and I've always been very mindful of it, but I realized I actually can get away with more carbs than I thought. And it sort of balances my mood a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, and it kind of gave me permission where in the, in the past, I think I was like, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, I mean, it's not as healthy. And I was like, oh, if I add, you know, more sweet potato or even like some gluten-free bread or something like that, like Mm -hmm. rice a bit here and there in my day, my mood is a little bit different. And so it was, I, so I think it's, I mean, nothing was shocking, right? Where it was like, okay, I ate this, it's going to tick. But it was interesting to see how long after things uh, spiked and then really looking at, and like, because I work in this space, of course, I ask myself a lot of different questions. So I really was like paying attention to how I felt afterwards. But 
I really looked at like, especially like mood focus, because I'm yeah. always really fascinated by the mind-body connection. Yeah. So like, how is what I'm putting in my body affecting my output and my, you know, experience of life? And that was interesting. I was like, oh, I need to eat more carbs than I thought to be a little bit happier, which I guess makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't, you know what I mean? Of course, carbs make us happy. But like, it was interesting in terms of like energy and mood. But I would recommend that they're not that expensive. and They can be kind of fun. Yeah. It, it did sort of, it was a little uncomfortable, but it was, it was, it's funny. You're seeing them everywhere. It, it yeah. was an interesting science experiment for my body. Yeah. Was there one particular food that you were like, oh my God, I was not expecting to have that response. No. So everything. No, was- I mean, I know too much about yeah. every, you know, and like understanding that. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people get surprised that simple carbohydrates alone will spike things as much as like sugar, like sometimes like certain bread can as much as like a dessert. I think people get surprised by that. But no, I think if anything, I was expecting things to be, I was most surprised with how low I was fasting almost too long. So I'm not a breakfast person. So it was interesting to see that I was like, Oh, maybe if I, if I eat a little earlier, I might feel better. And then also it's interesting to see what coffee does to an empty stomach, right? So that can affect your blood sugar. So just like it affirmed stuff I already knew um, and then gave me a little bit more permission. And it is funny though, in terms of like paying attention to like movement before or afterwards and what that does, right? Like it was just fun to be like, oh, it is true. If I go walking afterwards and I use my body and we use some of this energy that I've eaten, right? Mm -hmm. What happens then? And you'd see the things spike. And it was interesting to see like during the night sometimes, like what would happen if you look on like a better night's sleep versus a worse night's sleep where your blood sugar was, depending on like what you had the night before, if you're drinking alcohol. So it affirmed a lot of things and I learned a little bit, but it was also just kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, I want to try it now. It's like a health nerd. Yeah, yeah. you should. You should. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, um, yeah, no, that's not, that's brilliant. I definitely, yeah, definitely will give that a go. Um, and then I've got, sorry, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> don't want to like lead your podcast oh, no, no, we're um, good we're good yeah, yeah yeah and so I've got the 2024 um yes projections. projections yeah I'm so curious as you've been studying this space like what do you what's on tap for next year yeah so I know you did a brilliant podcast recently about sleep and I think mm-hmm. sleep is going to become really 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 prominent next year um I think so when I first started um writing about health and wellness in 2014-ish, mm-hmm. mental well-being wasn't even like particularly on people's radar in the UK at least. Wow. Um yeah. It was all about diet and exercise, which I guess now we talk about as like nutrition and movement and things like that. And then obviously mental yeah. well-being is now a whole other pillar. And I think we're gonna see the same with sleep. It's gonna become the fourth mm-hmm. big pillar. And I think still people don't um you know give it as much kind of weight and attention as they should and it's the key Mm -hmm. to everything you know it's the key to like glowing skin amazing energy you know appetite regulation you know everything so I think mood mood, exactly and I also think I mean just kind of going back to the um what we were talking earlier about Dakota Johnson and her 14 hours of sleep. I think, you know, sleep <laughs> sleep is such a luxury because at the end of the day, I mean, I was reading mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey um, doesn't set an alarm clock. She just wakes up naturally every single day. And I just think, oh my God, it's a luxury. It's amazing. And I think it is going to become one of these things that's like, 
you know, the epitome of like, you know, wellness, the, you know, kind of just getting enough sleep and anyway, but also I think uh, like I was also reading. I guess what? I am Oprah. I oh, have not set an alarm in years unless I have to go to the airport. But I think that's so good because what that alarm clock's doing is probably, unless it knows exactly when you're in the right point of sleep, like I, I have, I have one of those like wake up lamps, which is amazing. But you know, a normal alarm clock like on your iPhone is just like stressing your body out. You're you're starting the day feeling like, oh, who am I? Where am I? Right. You know, this cortisol spike. You know, it's horrible often. And I think, yeah, that. I mean, that. I think that's brilliant that you're that you, yeah, <laughs> you don't have an alarm clock. Well, I was. I it started well because mostly. I mean, being an actor. I mean, obviously, once in a while, but. Yeah. Um, I, when I had adrenal fatigue, when I was really sick, they were like literally sleep as much as possible. And if you can sleep until you naturally wake up. And then I just, I mean, go having like any sort of fatigue issues in your twenties is so disheartening because you're watching everyone else run around and you're like, why do I feel like a grandma? And after that, it was such a protected thing for me because I knew what it was like not to have energy. But yeah, that's like one of my, I try to build my life around that as much as possible. I mean, it's funny. I I moved to Portugal and like had too much fun this summer. So I'm like, I was like, oh, remember when he used to like be really good about all these things. Um, But we're getting back. We're getting back. Yes, exactly. One thing at a time. You're settling in still. (laughs) Um, And sort of (laughs) side note to kind of that is I think, you know, there'll be a increased growth of kind of like the sleep tech market. And uh, when I say that, yeah. I, I mean things like Mark Zuckerberg's 2000 pound mattress that perfectly temperature regulates and like heats and cools, and, you know, just mm. things like that. Um, I think, you know, just going to be, yeah, it's, it's just going to explode in a, in a good way. I think it's a positive mm-hmm. thing that we're focusing more on sleep is my prediction anyway. Um, I'm going to imagine in 12 months time, I've just like got everything wrong. <laughs> like a little time. <laughs> Um, and then another thing, uh, I know you mentioned earlier about blue zones, and I was reading about this idea of low-key longevity. Um, so kind mm. of being a bit of an antidote to biohacking, which um, is brilliant, but can be quite feel quite inaccessible and you know a bit expensive mm. and kind of high-tech and things like that. And essentially, low-key longevity has the same goal, but it's more about like lifestyle habits of um, communities in blue zones, yes. like Italy and Japan. Um, where people, you know, perhaps focus on more plant-based eating, um, just like slow movement, strong community ties and sunshine and things like that. Um, so I think we're going to see more of a, te- a more attention on, yeah, more accessible kind of ways to, you know, extend longevity in a more sustainable way. You, you know, you're not going to have like perhaps the immediate results of kind of cryotherapy, but in the long term, you're going to achieve the same thing and and like we said before, it doesn't cost a lot to kind of just go for a walk in the sunshine, yeah. catch up with a friend. Um, yeah. And and also this aspect of kind of, you know, lifespan enhancing fitness, you know, not mm-hmm. just the aesthetics of kind of looking toned, but also, you know, lifting weights for your bone health, for muscle growth, so that when you fall over, right. you're not like, you know, breaking your bones, you know, it just kind of future-proofing your body but in a really kind of holistic healthy way um mm, so, I love that. yeah so uh, do you feel like since you moved I, I know Portugal's not a blue zone I don't think and I don't know what the like average life expectancy is but do you feel like you sort of kind of started doing a few more of those things since you moved to Portugal um in terms of like well, what I 
I mean, what I, it was funny because in my head years ago, I was moving to LA for these reasons. And I did oh. right before the pandemic, I did end up moving to LA. Um, and I, cause I, you know, I was still acting and all the things yeah. and I wanted a slower pace of life. I wanted more sunshine. I wanted more access to nature. I wanted, um, a community that had, you know, more awareness around like food and wellness mm-hmm. and stuff. And while I did not stay in LA, it was not what I thought. I mean, I, I knew cause I would go back and forth to New York a lot, but after, you know, it is a massive city still. Yeah. Um, once I ended up leaving the U S actually, um, even London, I found to be much more friendly. Um, oh. and I was shocked by that than both New York and LA, but I don't know. I was there at a weird time yeah. too. And I didn't think parts of LA would be fine, but what, and then when I left London, I wasn't sure where I want to go. I really had in mind, like, well, what do I, I want a slower pace of life? I want like nice weather. I want access to nature and to be able to be fit. And I was really impressed. I sort of ended up accidentally in Portugal, killing time in between like my flat ending in Paris and needing to go to Tuscany for this wedding. Wow. And I found that like, um, access to nice vegetables was easier here. Like even like, um, you know, Portuguese food can be very simple, but really beautiful and healthy in terms of like, you know, you're getting a lot of fresh fish, you're getting a lot of veggies, Mm -hmm. you're getting, you know, like potatoes. Like I found that even in like little markets, there was more access to to nicer looking produce than in a lot of places. And yeah, this, that was a huge, and then I accidentally, right. Through like one contact started to meet a lot of people in the wellness industry or who are mindful or who are into meditation. So here it had a lot of, you know, it's like, it's got the nature, it's got the nice food, you know, it's got the, the access to, you know, move your body and sunlight and all those things. But then also people who are cultivating community around healthier things, which was a real draw for me. Yes. Yeah. No, definitely. I think uh, people, there's a general level of being quite clued up about various things here, which is really nice. And yeah, just like yeah. appreciating, like not being like, oh, it's really strange. You're going to 7.30 a.m. yoga. <laughs> just sort of being like, oh, no, that's really cool <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah. yeah. Well, and even like, it's funny, people like half my friends here don't drink and yeah. we'll still go out and have a good yeah. time. And that's like, I love that yeah. where it's like, so you, you know what I mean? And half the time I go out, there's no expectation around that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even last, like, and there's so many more times where like half of what I do with my friends here is like, go for a walk. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you want to meet and go for a walk? And then maybe it's a coffee or maybe it's a salad. Like last Friday night, I went for a really long walk with a friend and we went and got salads and no one even thought about, you know what I mean? At 10, we're like all tired and, you know, we're like, okay, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Whereas like, that's so nice. That rarely happens. You're not, when are you doing that in like London or New York? Never. It's, oh, it's too cold to be outside. Yeah, <laughs> like true. shivering your way, like true. eating a salad. Oh. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And, and obviously not, yeah, obviously not everyone can like live in a blue zone or, or live in Portugal, though I'd highly recommend it. Um, but I think it's sort of the practices are things that like everyone can kind of like add into their life a bit more and stuff, which yeah. is really nice. And I, there's a, Netflix yes. documentary about Blue Zones recently, which I haven't watched yet, but um, yeah, apparently that's everyone's really raving about it. Everyone's yeah. raving about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and then another kind of prediction I had for next year is the kind of the idea of a media diet for mental well-being, and well, yes. and I think so l- limiting or or being careful of your consumption of things like TV, podcasts, books, news 
you know, anything. So, for example, like um, there's a TV series which I've never seen called It's a Sin. Everyone says it's amazing. It's about the HIV crisis in um, in London in the 1980s, and everyone says it's amazing. But everyone's always like, it's so heartbreaking. It's so sad. You're gonna like very important topic, but it's really like really really sad and so I I haven't watched it because I just I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be feeling really sad and you know I think I've tried to kind of then which is why I watch a lot of reality tv you know it's kind of very like harmless and just happy and a bit silly and I think people are becoming increasingly aware of like what they're consuming you know in terms of I mean smut books are kind of really popular now and you know it's it's like escapism isn't it and I think we're all going to be a bit more careful about the link between what we consume and I'm balancing being informed and like obviously being aware of like things that are happening but sort of realizing when that's affecting us and sort of protecting ourselves if we can't if we're not if we haven't got the capacity to kind of cope with something right now and I think we're um you know really seeing that with various things that have happened this year and just having to be really protective yeah. but also aware but I think it's a real fine line but I you know I yeah I just have sort of seen you know numerous examples of like celebrities and public figures who either have deleted their social media or have teams that kind of do it for them and I think that disconnection is something that's going to trickle down to the rest of us in a way you know within meetings obviously you know we need um, social media probably to get messages out about our businesses and things um, and have a bit of a platform but I think there's a fine line um, so yeah I don't know how what, what you think about that I would love to not be on any of it I could I, w- I don't think I'd really miss it that much like mm-hmm. I can see where I get like the dopamine and all that but I really don't like it and I think what you're saying is incredibly important and I as a, I like am very much a highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've always had anxiety and that's gone down as I've changed my lifestyle. My relationship to my mental health has improved drastically. Mm-hmm. And I really started, I, I really noticed when um, Donald Trump won the election in the U S mm-hmm. how following that whole cycle and, and the devastation for me personally mm-hmm. as a woman during that time, um, I can't, I was going to say, I hope I'm not alienating anyone, but I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast is like a diehard Trump fan. Um, but that was really hard for me. And I remember really having that moment. And then during the Black Lives Matter stuff, mm-hmm. I was like endlessly paying attention to that and scrolling and donating and scrolling and donating. And just, I became ineffective as a person. I just was crying mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm like the collective trauma around that I was like and just because it was so heightened because of the pandemic yeah. there's nothing else going on right I remember being alone in an apartment in Venice Beach in LA and just locking myself in there not wanting to see people and spending about a week and I was like smoking pot which I never do I don't even like smoking but like to numb out like I was so upset and at the end of that week I was like oh my god I really, really have to be careful about my media intake. And since then, I I remember there, I think she probably still does it, but there was this podcast where she would, I think it was called The Newsworthy or something. And it was this girl out of LA that would do 10 minutes of everything going on in the world, straight up facts, without going into anything too, like, so you could hear what was going on without having to watch things and see things. And it would just be straight up, you know, what you needed in 10 minutes or less without getting really wrapped up in it. So I would listen to that. I would do things where I'm like, how do I stay informed without getting really wrapped up in this? And then the other thing that was really wild 
was when I started getting really, because I've been a meditator for a number of years. And when I got really, really into the Joe Dispenza's work a few years ago, which really transformed my body and my anxiety, he started talking, like I was, the idea of emotional addiction was brought to my attention. And the idea that like, you know, we're brought up with this, you know, limited often range of emotions that we feel like is us. Mm -hmm. And for some people, those are positive. For some people, those are negative. And I realized mine, what felt like me was me being in a general state of a a little bit of anxiety and so maybe longing for something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. So I noticed that like when I started to meditate more and things were getting nicer and there are periods of my life that were nice, but I would find reasons to be anxious. And he would point out, what do you do in your life? I was listening to murder podcasts all the time. I was drinking tons of coffee. I loved horror movies. And I was like, oh, shit. I was this anxious little girl. And as an adult, all of everything I do keeps me anxious. So from then, I really stopped watching less like the TV, I changed what I watched. I changed what I listened yeah. to, like really got protective. And I watched my anxiety go down and yeah. my mental health increase. Mm-hmm. And like, it is interesting because every once in a while, if I'm wanting to avoid my life, I'm like, Ooh, I, I want to listen to my favorite old murder podcast. And then I'm like, what am I avoiding? What yeah. do I need to be feeling right now? Where <laughs> I like, want to engage in that. Right. Yeah. But I think that is, I hope that's the next phase because yeah. people don't realize, right? Like often we're the ones that we're keeping ourselves smaller through these habits that keep us anxious or depressed or angry or something. Yeah. So I think this is incredibly important. It's something I look at with a lot of my clients. I'm very conscious of myself. So I hope, I hope you're right because I think it, it makes a huge deal. And when you think about it, right. And I, I'm sorry, I'm like going on a tangent. You no, talk, I could talk about no, this forever, so but like the, the thoughts you think create chemical reactions in your body, yeah. right? So if you're creating anxiety, you're choosing thoughts and choosing to listen and watch things that make you feel anxious all the time or sad or frustrated or whatever it is that you're most comfortable with. You're creating a cascade of chemicals and hormones in your body that maybe keep you sick or keep you yeah. exhausted or whatever. And when you start to change that, it's crazy. Like we know um, things like anxiety, you know, frustration, anger, those are inflammatory feelings. Yeah. When you start to prioritize things like peace and love and happiness and gratitude, those are healing emotions. Yeah. So if we look at health holistically, what you choose to consume down to like media and, you know, your Instagram feed mm-hmm. and the type of conversations you have, we're talking about that being a difference between creating health in your body and creating disease long term. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think as well, like, the reason why it has such a negative effect on our bodies is we're not meant to be consuming all this like bad stuff. Obviously in, in, you know, small doses, you know, life is sadly like that, but on a global scale, it's just, it's too much for anyone to kind of comprehend. And, and, you know, like you do hear of um, people who work in particular professions who have a higher likelihood of certain diseases, um, because they are sort yeah. of on the front line of some quite distressing stuff. And I, and obviously they're doing amazing work, but, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's just really being careful and sort of really understanding the long-term effect. And my Instagram feed now is kind of like dogs and polar bears in the snow and like animals. <laughs> and it's so calming yes. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with that if you're not feeling like you can cope with, other kind of things and I think there shouldn't be sort of 
um like people shouldn't I have had a, um, a discussion with a friend a mutual friend actually a couple of months ago said to me that you know she felt bad about the fact she didn't have capacity to be absorbing a lot of different information and and, and I was like you should not feel bad for, for not feeling able to right now you know in your own time maybe you won't ever get to that point where you you really feel like you can because it is like a lot it's very heavy but it's like people shouldn't feel shame um for kind of just wanting to sort of like take a step back and things like that yeah and like life is hard enough do the best you can like if you're just doom scrolling all the time it's going to make your day-to-day harder right you're going to come off of that feeling worse and the version of you that like spend 10 minutes reading about, you know, looking at war and atrocities yeah. and, and all that, and then see, try to communicate with someone versus, you know, looking at puppies, it's going to be different. And yeah. not that we shouldn't be informed. We very much should be, but it's yeah. again, come, comes back to what, what you have the capacity for. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think also what, uh, you know, working in journalism, like a newspaper will often have like, it will have um, a hard hitting report and then it will have like a more lighthearted news story. Then it has something on fashion, something on, you know, celebrity and yeah. sort of there's a kind of mixture that sort of like is a bit of a balm to the hard hitting stuff so that you've sort of come away feeling informed. And, you know, but the way in which we consume journalism now can be bad news story after bad news story after bad news story yeah. in a feed yeah. or a kind of pop-up on our phone fo- like a pop-up notification on our phone so I think we're not even consuming news and current affairs in the same way that we were perhaps like 20 years ago even just because of the digital yeah. landscape and things so yeah. yeah 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 that's so interesting yeah and I get and important yeah and I guess kind of tied into that is what we've a word we've spoken about a lot um in this conversation is like low cortisol living and sort of you know there was the whole kind of dopamine fasting period but I I think we're going to see a real kind of focus on cortisol in and of itself um it's very bit like the hashtags cortisol levels and how to reduce cortisol have 140 million views um combined on TikTok and you know I guess what people are probably going to increasingly realize is, you know, it's not just kind of, um, you know, anxiety and things like that, that, you know, it's linked to, but weight gain, hair loss, brain fog, you know, in small doses, um, women, you know, we, it it can be a good thing, cortisol. And, you know, when we were cavemen and women, it was obviously brilliant for running away from a bear, but it's just not (laughs) so useful now. And I, I went to, um, I did a piece a few years ago where I went to university and I was like wired up to this machine and we were looking into the impact of um, like social media or or just general phone notifications. And we were sort of, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, necessarily monitoring my cortisol as such, but it was monitoring my heartbeat when a notification popped up or when I got a like on an Instagram picture. And like my body was like responding in this kind of like, you know, it's like, multiple little like cortisol kind of bursts almost and you just think if that's happening with positive and negative yeah. both, both yeah wow because it's sort of like you know I'm like oh my god exciting someone's messaged me you know and it's like and if yeah. you yeah. if that's kind of like what you were saying earlier like if that's sort of building up over a day no wonder you're feeling so wired and I think people are going to be more aware about what is cortisol spiking um but yeah yeah <laughs> so 
No, I love that. I hope there's more awareness. And it's so funny. It's a big part of infertility too, that people talk about with both men and women. And that's been such a, that's increasingly seeming like more problematic for people, but you know, that alone, like, of course your body's not wanting to have a baby. If you think if it, you know, physiologically feels like a tiger is chasing it all the time. Right. So it's just interesting. There's so many effects that we don't even realize that things like social, like the little bits, like throughout the day, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. make us feel more and more like stressed and, you know, raise those cortisol levels. Yeah. Yeah. No, infertility kind of like the link between stress and infertility is just such a fascinating one. And obviously it makes total sense. Like if you're feeling stressed, like it's your body protecting itself, but it's, it's incredible how, you know, it, it, yeah, when someone's kind of like focuses on the stress, their stress levels, and then, you know, they do get pregnant and it is amazing. It's yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the final fifth prediction for 2024 um, was, uh, we haven't really mentioned it, even though it's kind of been such a huge thing in the last 12 months. And like, I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but AI and Oh, God. I know, I know. And it's like, and kind of AI for mental health in particular, because I think we've sort of already seen it used kind of in, you know, workouts and like meal plans and things like that. And, um, you know, diagnosing health conditions and, you know, scientists using it to kind of like see if somebody has cancer from a scan. And, you know, it's like amazing uses. And I I think some in some ways it can be incredible but what an expert said to me earlier this year which I found very terrifying um was kind of the therapy that's going to start to be increasingly used on chatbots because AI by virtue it kind of gets you know it, it starts to know us very very well so if you're talking she explained to me that if you're talking to a chatbot in a particular way it will then start to know you very well it will then start to respond to you in a way that sounds like you so you start feeling like oh my god I'm really like having a connection with this chatbot and you know she was sort of saying that like we're going to have a situation where people are way too dependent like obviously years down the line but way too dependent on these on these sorts of kind of modes of therapy like kind of yeah AI therapy and there isn't really any kind of regulation for that and it's quite scary and I think you know I was already reading like early this year about um a guy a a guy who said he had a AI chatbot girlfriend who had told him to do some break into Buckingham Palace that's what it was and it was a tiny bit of this news article and I was like what the hell like this is terrifying (laughs) um so obviously sorry that's like that's very much on a tangent but you know sort of the way things are going I think it's almost like AI can be brilliant for so many things to do with health and wellness, but it just needs to be sort of done in a really careful way. Monitored. Monitored. Yeah, that's the word. I went to this talk earlier this week about um, uh, wellness in basically digital wellness and how, you know, the landscape of how digital wellness is like, like just our relationship to technology has changed and how do we stay safe and healthy and keep our kids healthy. And I, and I took a picture of this quote that he had, 50% 50% of AI researchers believe there's a 10% or greater chance that humans go extinct from our inability to control AI. <gasps> oh my God. That's terrifying. And I left and I was like, so t- like, can you imagine if they're like, oh, um, you can get on this flight, but there is a 10% or greater chance that it will crash. You're not getting on the airplane. No. 
you can eat this cereal every day, but there's a 10% chance it's going to give you cancer. You know what I mean? Like we're going into really interesting territory with the AI stuff. And I agree. There's like a lot of amazing stuff. And even just like the Instagram where it's like, make the bunny happier. Have you seen those memes where it's like the happiest bunny you've ever seen? Oh my God, I should send them. They're so, there's this uh, Instagram account, like I think it's called Healing from Healing. And it makes fun of the wellness industry. And they're there, I was dying. It was like, show us an influencer that, you know, the most influenced influencer ever. And you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And by the end, every cartoon is someone like in reaching enlightenment, even like the happiest bunny you've ever seen. But like, there's, I mean, it's great. It's very yeah, ridiculous. But I think we're going into a really interesting new era where, yeah, I don't, I, it, it could go in so many different directions. Yeah. It's fascinating, but it's a little scary. Yeah. No, it's, and it's almost like we don't, it's all, like we don't quite know what we're dealing with yet because we haven't seen the full effects of it. We can't almost comprehend what it will be able to do. No. And no, because it's so smart. Yeah, and yeah. like, and, and you know early, what I mean? Like, early, I like, think it's, it's going to continue to get smarter. An infant stage almost. So, yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. Oh, that'll be interesting. No, I that is a very, very exciting slash terrifying, yes. very interesting space to continue to monitor. Yeah. Oh my God, I love, I love, love, love both of these lists. Okay, I have two more questions for you before I let you go, but thank you. This has no, been delightful. I'm so, I'm so glad to thank have you. Thank you for having me. And I hope, yeah, they, yeah, went too random. And I hope they weren't like <laughs> no, completely off, off the topic. So yeah. <laughs> No, I like it because what you're illustrating, which I I talk about a lot and what you've given a really beautiful picture of, is that we have gotten to this place where health just isn't in a bubble of diet and lifestyle like it used to be, right? Where we understand that it goes from everything from the quality of our sleep to the quality of our thoughts to the quality of the um, information that we take in on a day-to-day basis. And once we start to really understand how holistic our health journey can be, it makes it easier to make these small changes. And it's funny because, you know, people want to be happy, healthy, feel peaceful, right? And I think the more they realize that they have so much more control over than that, than in that, than they think, um, and that it can be fun, right? It can be connection is a really big part of it. And, you know, enjoying food over like a beautiful table, even if it's not the most perfect food is wellness, right? It's so much bigger then, you know, I think people take more personal responsibility. Okay. So my final two questions. One is out of curiosity, is there anything that you tried in the name of journalism for an article that changed your day-to-day life? And it could be something really small and simple. And you could say no. It was the, um, it was the piece where I got wired up to the machine that told, that was telling me kind of my body's like immediate reaction, stress response to notifications so I now have nothing on my phone um like you can call me that's it otherwise I will eventually look at whatsapp eventually go on my emails and it's been life-changing Ooh. Um, oh okay maybe I'm doing that you guys maybe we all need to do yeah, that it's, and the thing is you never miss if somebody needs to get you get to you they can call you it's never nothing is ever yeah. like that urgent I think um that yeah that was a I think that was the one kind of top line experience. Um, oh, anything else? I love that. I think 
I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I do think that like going to like the £18,000 a year gym, I don't like, you really don't need to pay that much money to work out. You know, I, I just think there are so many kind of more affordable ways to, you know, stay fit, going for a walk, like you were saying earlier, you know, playing paddle, which is obviously super popular now. Um, I mean, I love F45. That's the one thing I really miss from London is, have you ever tried it? I don't even know what that is. It's like 45 minutes. It's like functional 45. um, So 45 minute classes and it goes by so quickly. And it's a mixture of like a bit of hit, a bit of strength training. And they have them kind of, it's Mm -hmm. an Australian kind of um, franchise. And I mean, it isn't like super cheap anymore, but it's definitely not like, Eighteen thousand pound a year, <laughs> the kind of like money. So you know, yeah, I think that I think a lot of a lot of things, and one of the reasons why I started my newsletter, well, actually, was because I just felt like, you know, we are sold. It is an industry where we are sold a lot, at sold at a lot, and I and mm, I think yes, a lot of things yes. aren't really worth it. And I think, you know, I, I I'm really passionate about people spending their money in a way that's like valuable to them and not spending it on things that are kind of pointless. And obviously it depends, you know, for everyone, it might be different. Like some people might find 80,000 pounds a year is a good amount to spend, you know, on a gym, 2000 pounds on a mattress, like Mark Zuckerberg might be a good idea too. But, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's really individual. And I think, um, but I also just don't think people should be wasting their money on, on things that aren't, aren't worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. And then, um, well, I, I want to, well, after this final question, we'll hype your news newsletter oh, thank because you. I love it. I think everyone should subscribe. Oh, but my final question always is for everyone, um, when life, you know, hands you lemons, when you are faced with a shitty situation, yeah. um, how do you live through it? How do you pick yourself back up? What is one tool that you always use that, that maybe can reframe a situation or get you, you know, off the bathroom floor? So I will definitely allow myself to cry. I think that's so important not to kind of like hold that Mm -hmm. back. I think just like let those tears flow, um, like have that release. Um, I'm a strong believer in, yeah, a yoga class can solve so many problems, particularly at (laughs) Barada down down the hill. Um, for me. Yeah, I went this morning. Yes. Oh, <laughs> did you have Myrta? Uh, no, it was a woman I never had before. Oh. She was back. She's so cute. She had a big tattoo. She was Asian. She had a big, she's very pregnant. Oh it was like a hard class. I was so impressed. I went with Maria. Oh. It was great. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's just amazing down there. I love it. Um, and, and, you know, a really good night's sleep and definitely kind of limiting alcohol. But I think, you know, I'm trying to do like Maria has taught me about tapping and I have found that helpful Mm -hmm. um, in kind of just like breaking the circuit of where your mind's going, like not like minimizing those emotions, but sort of just like, you know, cutting that kind of worrying cycle and sort of just being like, um, you know, putting things into perspective and just like calming the kind of stress response and regulating the nervous system and things like that. So yeah, sort of mixture of tools and things. But a good cry well, is it, important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. As the biggest crybaby around, I absolutely love that tool. Um, 
And for those of you listening that don't know what tapping is, we'll link Maria's episode. She was an early episode. She talks about it. Um, yeah, and emotional freedom technique. Great brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us where we can find you and how to subscribe to your Substack, which is brilliant. I, I met Lauren this summer, um, at a dinner and we had a lovely conversation and, um, I, I didn't fall in love with her until I started reading all of your, I didn't see that much. I didn't have the opportunity, but I started reading your Substack and I thought it was just brilliant and funny and I liked your perspective and, and tell people where they can find out a little bit about what you're doing over there. Um, yeah, so I so it's focused mainly on kind of you know targeted at women, um, and we're looking at all those kind of um, things that perhaps aren't covered in you know uh, kind of like the mainstream magazines and newspapers and things like that. Um, kind of looking at like things like financial wellness and you know uh, different like beauty standards and things like that. So um, yeah, and it's on it's on Substack, and um, I don't know the exact URL, but I yeah I'll. Yeah, give it to you to put in the show notes or something. We'll link it. We'll link it. And and where and where can people find you on social media? Because you can find it there too. Um, Yes. So my Instagram's at Lauren E L Clark. Um, So yeah, it's all linked there as well. (laughs) Thank you for the shout out. I appreciate that and the kind and the kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I I think you're a brilliant writer. I like your perspective, and um, I think it's important in the media. There is a lot of noise. And it, you are not noisy. You are Aww. the right kind of you are the right kind of voice that I think we need. And yeah, so I, I love this conversation. Thank you so much, and thank you for being part of my uh, Lisbon community Aww, because it's been really nice to to connect. Here. Yes, no, absolutely, and yeah, no, I can't wait to see you in person again for a glass of wine. You know healthy and everything (laughs) um, (laughs) absolutely absolutely and um, yeah and thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast i really appreciate it absolutely absolutely thank you thank you love through it is hosted by liana nielsen and produced by me claire burns if you're interested in working with liana as a client or hiring her to lead a workshop or be a contributor you can contact her through her website healthybyliana.com on instagram at healthybyliana or email and you guessed it healthybyliana at gmail.com 